The Athletic. So we don't have a, we don't have a running order. Right. But we are going to talk about the Chelsea game. And then we're going to talk about festive fixtures. Does anyone have a list of the festive fixtures? And then we're going to talk about our the, uh, uh, look back in 2023, basically. Yeah? Right. This should be fun. Right, can we have a little bit of hush? Thank you very much. Hello and welcome to the Pod on the Tyne Christmas Drink Special. That was like Steve Wright in the afternoon, that wasn't it? That was terrible. <laughs> yes, my name's Taylor Payne. Uh, this is Pod on the Tyne, your go-to festive Newcastle United podcast. And I've got Chris Woff here with me looking as ridiculous as ever. Hello. Well, this, this has been particularly shambolic even by our standards so far today um i mean the fact that uh, what did I, we went to record 25 minutes ago and we don't even have everyone in the room yet george has been on a train for 36 hours or whatever <laughs> <laughs> it's, the grinch of gosforth has arrived and the, the, yeah this has just been ridiculous it's fine it's fine are you all right george no you're a bit highly strung tonight aren't you no i'm just i mean i've been on a tra- i've been in london for four days and i never sleep in london because it's very noisy and full of people from london <laughs> and I had to watch. I had to watch Newcastle lose on penalties to Chelsea, yeah. and then I've just been on a train for seven hours because of a tree that had come onto the line just south of Doncaster. And I'm more convinced than ever that Britain, Thatcher's Britain, I should point out, is going to hell in uh, in a handcart. But apart from that, Merry Christmas! Yeah. It's lovely to be. It's lovely to be here with oh, some of our very closest friends, and also Luke Edwards. Who's here with his closest friend, who is himself. Oh, we're doing crackers now. Do your crackers. They're not just any crackers, these either. Nothing says Christmas like a a W.H. Smith cracker. So, um, what are you getting, the W.H. Smith cracker? What have we got? There we go. (laughs) I didn't even get a gift. There's nothing in there. There's nothing in? Chris, you've bought these crackers and there's nothing in them. I got ID'd for them as well. Got, got ID'd in WH Smith for the shittest crackers in the world. There's literally Joe, nothing in them. What well, did that, one that snowman say to the other snowman? You've got big balls. Snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> Can you smell carrots? That was terrible. Uh, I've, I've had a bit of an awful day, I'll be honest. I was driving through Yorkshire this morning, right next to a railway line, and I hit a tree. It's <laughs> not funny. And that. it fell in front of the lines... Honestly, but I didn't have time to stop. I just had to keep going. No, that's not funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, hello, everyone who's here. Are you all right? Yes. Good, good. Everyone looks as ridiculous as we do, so that's a good start. Uh, tonight is an exclusive invite-only event, and we wanted only the most influential, highly regarded, and knowledgeable individuals that we could find. Unfortunately, they were all busy, so we've invited you instead. Is that all right? Good. Right. We're going to do basically our normal podcast nonsense. We've got a couple of different sections to this, but what I don't want this to be is I don't want this to be negative, Chris. 
I want this to be a positive occasion, all right? I want it to be uplifting and a nice look back on 2023. So no whining or cry arson because we've got injuries and we're out of Europe. We're here to celebrate, all right? So with that in mind, Newcastle United are out of the Carabao Cup, beaten on penalties by Chelsea after conceding a 90-second minute equaliser. Discuss. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's quite difficult to fulfil the terms of that remit. I mean, yet again at a live performance, we're in a room full of Chris's family, so there's only loathing being poured towards Chris, mainly. I mean, not just from me again, but from them. And so it's quite There's an even higher percentage of my family here tonight than there was at the... At the yeah, there will be. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so I have to talk about Chelsea, but be positive. Is that what you're saying? No, just talk about Chelsea. It's fine. Um, it was... Um, it was pretty soul-destroying. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> um, to reframe that as a positive, at least there's less football to be played. I've got yeah. nothing else apart from that. Is that the only positive you can think of the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was, um, it was interesting that Newcastle played in a different way. And, um, oh, 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 there's... Oh, he's actually <laughs> gone to look at his phone oh, that's, as well. Um, <laughs> Simon, Simon Bird has just walked into the room. And you'll, you'll know that... I mean, this is a slightly in-joke, but um, Simon, Simon Bird's phone does have the Ski Sunday theme tune. Chris, I think maybe we should, we should maybe let you take over because you were in the room when this happened. Yeah, so this was... We we're going to do our moment of the year and seeing as Simon Bird has arrived a few minutes late, my moment of the year was actually in uh, Dortmund away at uh, Eddie Howe's pre-match press conference. And Eddie Howe was speaking very serious. Was, was, obviously, it was a huge match for Newcastle. Lost the home fixture against Borussia Dortmund. They had to win. And as he was in the middle of answering questions, suddenly Ski Sunday just started playing and uh, Eddie Howe gave the biggest death stare I think I've ever seen a manager give to, to Simon Bird. Uh, and he couldn't turn the phone off and it turned out that his brother was trying to ring him in the middle of the press conference. And yes, that was my highlight. One of my highlights of 2023. 45 seconds into the press conference with Sky Live, Sky Sports Live. Um, so yeah, it was, the most, it was the most excruciating moment. If you ever doubted Eddie Howe's steeliness, you saw it in his... 30 second death stare then so I wouldn't <laughs> want to be a player on the wrong side of him I mean you, you, you say they're the most excruciating moment and yet it really isn't is it I mean it's definitely not in the top one because that was Joe Kinnear rightly <laughs> rightly calling you out I mean I can't use the words yes you can can I use the word yeah we'll bleep it well I mean I mean Simon is the nicest in football and I I mean the, the, I think the most I think the because um, he was he was um, he was called that by joking it and amongst amongst other things no no but but I mean Simon Simon then sort of built a career on on being a and um, I was I w I'm sorry for the language but um, still coming but back at me three times a week on Twitter yeah of course yeah, yeah. joking here was which right one of you is Simon Bird joking was, was right, right. every but time of the week one of the most vivid memories I've got not just was not just of that press conference which was startling but it was the next day we were driving to Sunderland across the ta time bridge to go to a press conference and you were being interviewed by the Today programme John Humphreys John Humphreys and having to talk about football and swearing yeah uh, it was the uh, they, they cut <laughs> Radio 4, about quarter past eight in the morning, Radio 4 flagship today programme, cut from uh, a three trillion pound American bank bailout to Joe Kinnear swearing profusely in the Newcastle United uh, <laughs> press conference. So uh, it was quite a moment. We stopped the car, I think, and he was fascinated to know why Alistair Campbell had been doing it for years as a spin doctor for Labour, the Labour Party and swearing at journalists profusely to intimidate them, and why 
when that happened to football journalists, why we actually decided to report it. So that's why the Today problem were, int were interested in it. It kind of captured the, uh, the kind of political mood at the time. And why did we report it? It was just so explosive. I just yeah. think we... Ha well, no, because we asked him. We, I, mean, I, think, I think we said, is that, we asked him and he is said, that on the record? And he said, yeah, do what you print, want. Effing print, 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 print it. You can hear it. The press officer actually tries to say, no, it's not. And he says, you can effing print what you want. So my question here is, I mean, it is Christmas. It's uh, it's uplifting time of the year. We're all very happy and, you know, getting ready to celebrate with our families. My, my, question, my, my question is, what is it like to be detested? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, as you said, I built a career on it. I like to be controversial. Oh. Don't mind a bit of flack. Gets you down at times. But um, yeah, um, working for the Daily Mirror, you sometimes got to take a few hits. <laughs> it's not all nicey nicey. It could have so. been worse, Simon. It could have been that porn noise. Do you know the one that on the BBC? It could have been. It could yeah, have been or, that or instead. the UEFA draw. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. No problem. Thank you very much thank for coming you up. You've been a great sport. That's what yeah. you get for arriving. You can leave now. So Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. Um, well, it, it, it all went to shit, didn't it, really, in that last couple of minutes, Chris? Yes, it did. I mean, it was a very strange game. It was very un-Eddie Howe-like in terms of the match itself for the first half. I thought Newcastle were, were pretty decent. They'd clearly set up in a way, having conceded in the last three away games, nine goals, obviously fell apart at, at, at Everton and, and Spurs late on. And Howe clearly set them up to counter-attack. And, and it certainly at the first 25 minutes, half an hour... They looked quite dangerous. They scored what at the time seemed like a hilarious goal um, because uh, yes. mistake after mistake from Chelsea allowed Callum Wilson to get in. And at that point... Have you, heard, have you heard this thing about people saying that Callum Wilson looks like he's playing football in jeans at the minute? Well, my son said he, he engaged sport mode on his Crocs for that run, which I thought was quite <laughs> impressive. It was a lovely finish, though, well, wasn't it? It was a lovely finish. And yeah, at that point, this, this was, that, that seemed hilarious. I mean, second half, Newcastle barely had any of the ball but I, th I think that was fatigue, partly game plan, and also Chelsea just did absolutely nothing with it, and so it looked like they were going to see out what would be a wonderful, uh, another celebrating another semi-final, back-to-back semi-finals until, yeah, the 92nd minute. So That's the thing about those, though, isn't it? When you, when you sit in like that and you defend deep and you get that 1-0 win, it almost feels better, doesn't it, than winning by two or three, I think. I kind of think, oh, get in. It just wasn't to be. No, it was it was Eddie Howe's 100th match, match 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 in charge. What a run of games that's been. What a mm. you know, what an incredible spell we've all enjoyed. It was a throwback to his first match in charge, wasn't it? The way Newcastle played, everybody behind the ball. Yeah. Far more calculated, far away more away match, not home game. What? The first home game was chaos. It was three three against Brentford. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He yeah. Wasn't there, there I wasn't mean, the, to the team to the, to the team he inherited. But yeah, at Chelsea, I was in the back row of the press box, which means you don't actually see the pitch. So that was so that was so that was quite good. But it also means that I can't really talk about it. But we're going to bring in another guest. This is very early. We're going early with guests. But can we bring in Charlotte Robson from True Faith, who was also at Chelsea? Give her a big round of applause, please. Hello. Did you see it, and what did you think of it? The match? Yes, that's right. Yes, I had full view of the pitch, so I felt, <laughs> feel quite privileged now. Um, I thought it was... I think if we'd seen it out, I'd be talking about it as like one of the decisive victories, yeah. like what a brilliant game plan just to dig in and hold on. 
But as it was, I was lamenting the game plan and pretty upset with how it all went. So a bit of a mix, really. Um, mostly I just feel a bit sad about it all because I, I really want this group of players and this manager to, to get something from the season in the face of quite a significant amount of adversity. Yeah. So. I think that's the feeling, isn't it? It's. I mean, I felt that as well. I felt very sorry for them to put it. When you put in that sort of level of work and and effort to get through it and they so nearly do it, I feel desperately sorry for Kieran Trippier at the minute, who's yeah. been yeah. so extraordinary for Newcastle since he signed. Absolutely the standard bearer for the team, for the club, for the dressing room, all the rest of it. And he's going through he's going through an incredibly tough moment. I actually found it quite moving when when Eddie Howe said afterwards that, you know, he's done all those things for us. He's lifted at us. He's lifted everybody else. And now it's our turn to do the same thing to him. I mean, that is the club that yeah. we have at the minute, which is great. That's what being a team is. Yeah, absolutely. Should should Kieran Trippy have took a penalty? Do we well, think? I mean, he's always going to, isn't he? He's always yeah, going to take. He takes immense bollocks. Should, should he? Should he have taken one? I mean, I don't think these decisions should ever fall to me, but um, <laughs> um, probably not. I think conceding in the way that we did so late in the game and then like it basically immediately being penalties maybe if you know that had happened in the 70th minute and he'd played 20 minutes more and he'd played well his mm. headspace might have been different but as it was so close to when it happened maybe not I think it took immense courage to do that and in hindsight it looks like a ridiculous decision because he missed but I, I also think if you actually go through it afterwards Newcastle didn't have loads of penalty takers on the pitch yeah, so you would have been it. putting forward someone who probably isn't very good at penalties either and Kieran Trippier is a, is a dead ball specialist so yes it, I mean just going to the incident itself what actually happened in injury time because we haven't actually fully discussed exactly what happened is Newcastle go up one end of the pitch Miguel Almiron has the ball left hand side of the goal no chance really of scoring uh, and this is not to take out Miguel Almiron but that's here it is here it comes here it comes it is though isn't it here it comes your irrational hatred of it here it comes but Newcastle have in certain matches certainly at St James's Bruno Gimaraes giving the ball away for example against Liverpool of key moments and matches not necessarily seeing them out fully and and at that point Almiron could have taken it to the corner he could have actually kicked the ball out of play or something but instead he, he shoots from an angle where really highly unlikely to score the keeper saves it Chelsea go up the other end they have one cross the ball comes out then they have another cross the ball bounces there's no one actually really around Kieran Trippier and it was interesting actually because afterwards Jamie Redknapp was suggesting that twice Kieran Trippier looks behind himself as if to because he expected Mudrick to be there and Mudrick wasn't there mm, and yeah. so the ball bounces and he's almost caught in it, well, he's, I don't know exactly what he's thinking but he seems to be caught in several minds and tries to head the ball mm. whether that's back to Dubravka I'm not entirely sure but Dubravka was never going to get there and he just proceeds to head the ball up in the air it bobbles a little bit and Mudrick equalises in the 92nd minute when Chelsea had not looked like scoring despite having so much of the ball so much territory and it was yes and then at that point the game proceeds to penalties one of the things I loved about the game was that there was no VAR and so mm. it went I much quicker refreshing wasn't it? no but I was going to say that I mean it was much quicker the whole thing was much quicker it wasn't all those stupid stops all the time which I really hate and but if, if there had been VAR then um, Caicedo would have been sent off for that awful tackle on Anthony uh, yeah, he Gordon. Walks, doesn't he? It was disgusting. But so probably would Bruno for that absolutely mad body slam. No, that. because Newcastle would have been winning and three 0 by that point. Oh, yeah. so, so he would he not have had to have done. <laughs> he would so not true. had to have so done true. that. Yeah, mm. That's exactly what would have happened. Yeah. 
So yeah. it's very frustrating. But yes, but just come back to the penalties. I mean, it, it, it's easy to say should Q and Trippy have ta- not taken one, but still going on about this. <laughs> yes, because we we haven't discussed who else took a penalty. Obviously, Matt Ritchie also misses. It's not just Q and Trippier. So Matt Ritchie misses the decisive. He didn't penalty. miss the penalty. He didn't. That, was was great, that was actually a great penalty save. To be honest, it's uh, high. Keeper keep shouldn't be going there for the ball. Uh, oh, Chris, not, come not, on then. I'm not entirely. Come confident. on then. Well, on, then. I mean, why wasn't it a good pen? Because it was a height that the keeper should save. I mean, the the, 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 the commentary, because I was watching from home, the commentary on Sky made a massive thing about how he saved more penalties than anyone else in the MLS, which was apparently really impressive. So um, that, that <laughs> apparently, uh, I can't look for all at, our American I, listeners, I, I apologise. but I, Well, and also for our American listeners, I can't look at Chris. He's wearing comedy antlers and comedy <laughs> Trying to glasses. make serious points about penalties. <laughs> but he's hit the penalty high, and the keeper's stretched his hand up, and you don't expect him to save it. You really don't. If they, I, I think it's a good penalty by Richie, and I think he's hit it with loads of power. And I think if you, you know, the um, we are we are made a great we're, sorry, we're, Charlotte, you're we're still standing. No, Charlotte. Fine. Do you have a Christmas message? Do I have a Christmas message yeah. for the world, like a Queen's speech? Yeah. I actually have uh, several pages prepared, so I'm glad you asked. No, I don't. Uh, just to, I hope everybody's happy. Well, there's lots of bugs going around, so make sure you're taking vitamin C and um, getting your rest and have a wonderful Christmas and New Year if you celebrate those things. Lovely. Thank you. Charlotte Robson, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Matt Ritchie's penalty might not have been the greatest penalty, but I'll tell you what was the worst penalty of that night was Onana's penalty for Everton. Did you see that? I have seen that, yes. It's such a shame Jacob's not here and we could... Have a little dig at him about that. He's actually at the Junior Toffee's Christmas party tonight, um, where he'll currently be getting handed an out-of-date selection box by Seamus Coleman, just so you know. So that's, that's what he's doing right now. Excellent. Does that count yeah. towards FFP? Or? <laughs> Another deduction. Yeah, um, yeah. but that was, that was a shite penalty, that one, wasn't it? An absolutely shite penalty. It was, but there are some absolutely brilliant videos. First of all, of the commentary where the guy says, an honour, an honour, but then also the, of the one from the, uh, I don't know, if whatever the end is behind, behind the goal yeah. where someone just shouts, I think, is it call him a dickhead or something? Just as he's like, are you Bellin? Bellin. That's, That's it, yeah. it <laughs> yes, Excellent, yeah. Um, George, I mean, we, could, we aren't going to be able to recreate the, the Carabao Cup run of earlier this year. We've got the quarterfinals. Uh, it's it's not a bad effort, but really, 92 minutes, 1-0 up, we should be going into the next round, shouldn't we? Yeah, and it was it was all there for us. But at the same time, you know, there is context, there is uh, mitigation, the word that we're not allowed to we're not allowed to say. They are running on empty, they're full of injuries, and you know, that situation got worse the other night, not not better. And yeah, my feeling is is sort of one of sorrow. I think if they had a full squad, it's a game they get through. I mean, I thought Chelsea were awful. Oh, they were shite. I mean, I know they had the ball, but again, I think part of the game plan was energy preservation, and that, that was probably a sensible way to play in the circumstances, as much as you want to see the team attack. But again, if we're looking at sort of context, you also have to point, you know, you point to moments this season. The Man City game at home was brilliant. The Man United yeah. away away game was extraordinary. I was in the away end for that. It was hilarious. It was one of the funniest things I've seen. It was a historic victory for Newcastle. You got your ticket as well, though. I did forget my ticket. Yeah, I didn't (laughs) enjoy that. Yeah, it's it's a shame. So I think it has to go down as a missed opportunity, but equally, I'm pretty confident there'll be be others. I'm sure they will. It's been weird this season because usually if you lose a game or something goes wrong, 
we'll kind of sit around and we'll say, all right, what can be changed for next week or what can be changed for the next game? But at the moment, there's not an awful lot that can be changed because we're so restricted by injuries and by people being out and, and the fixture list. So it, it's been one of those this year where you look every game and you think, what are we going to do next week? That's different. But what, ha- what can we do next week? That's different. It's time to change the manager. Oh, hey, whoa, hey, whoa. It's time to bring in Jose Mourinho. There's been a bit of that about, hasn't there, though? Well, there has been. I mean, I think mainly from, well, people outside of... of I mean, I wrote about, I wrote about this today, actually. I wrote, I wrote a column sort of looking at... I think there's been a little bit of noise externally when people suggest that you look at where Newcastle are. They've just gone out of the Champions League, didn't even get in the Europa League. They've gone out of the Carabao Cup. I think people fundamentally, from the very start, have misunderstood how this takeover was going to, to, to work in terms of where Newcastle were going to go, partly due to FFP, partly as well, I think, due to the general business plan. And everything has been far more measured and sensible. Yes, Newcastle have gone, have spent a heck of a lot of money. Yes, they've gone a heck of a long way in a short space of time. But to, to think that Eddie Howe is or should be under pressure externally because of what people may perceive as to where Newcastle should be fundamentally misunderstands what's happened over the last two years. Newcastle are where they are primarily because of Eddie Howe and his management internally and I will give the big caveat that you never know what's going to happen in Saudi Arabia you never know what voices are going to be in the years across there but everyone Dan Ashworth the sporting director who we'll come on to later on um, the the, the British-based owners, particularly Amanda Stavely and Mira Gadusi, they realise and recognise what they've got in Eddie Howe, what he has built, the mitigation, as the word we're not allowed to use, of this season. And there was always an acceptance that there was a likelihood Newcastle could take a couple of steps back this season because last season was so far ahead of schedule. They'd budgeted for top 10. They really expected maybe 6th to 8th they'd finish. They've finished 4th. They've been in the Champions League. They've had the Sandro Tonali situation. They've had a ridiculous draw in every single cup competition they've been in they've had injuries and so to have got to this point and still be sixth in the Premier League to have been very close to getting through the last 16 in the Champions League albeit then not in Europe at all and then also being in injury time fucking hell Chris I was only joking <laughs> you do you, you always team me up for this and then you, you know that I'm going to give a monologue so that I've given my monologue there you go somebody emailed us last week and said Chris doesn't use punctuation when he speaks <laughs> <laughs> It's so just I mean, I, stream. I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Eddie Howe is the best thing to happen to Newcastle in footballing terms for a generation. God bless Eddie Howe and Absolutely. all hail Jason Tindall. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I would have to agree with you. I think it's been, it's been an incredible calendar year. I would say probably the most enjoyable calendar year of football that I can remember for a long, long time. It, 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 as a fan... It's just been so much fun. There has been moments of like disappointment with the Champions League going out, getting beaten in the cup, all that kind of stuff, the cup final. But overall, the year has been amazing, hasn't it? Is that just having spent the morning with me in, in your hotel room in Dusseldorf? Oh, hang on. With, with, there. with half-naked men walking, ac- walking across <laughs> the balcony. I told them they had to be out by nine o'clock. Um, no, that was a wonderful morning, Chris. It was great. Just for a bit of context there, I had a, a, an adjoining balcony in my hotel in, in Dusseldorf and a man in boxer shorts wandered past while me and Chris were recording the podcast. <laughs> he was just extending the penis of friendship. <laughs> wow. Disgusting. Thank you. 
Right, okay. Uh, let's let's move on a little bit. We've got some fixtures coming up. Luton Town is the first one uh, this Saturday, three o'clock kickoff away from home. Um, which isn't ideal, Chris. No, well, by the time this podcast is out, I have written, I've done a deep dive into Newcastle United's away form and haven't been told by several people to, you know, take it lightly, be positive. I can <laughs> say that I've done the complete opposite because the more you look at it, the worse it actually becomes. Mm. Uh, it's it's quite staggering because last season, Newcastle's away form, they were third in the Premier League's away table, if you want to call it that, behind, I think it was Arsenal, Man City. They were actually fifth in the home table. Not a real thing, that is it's it? It's not right? a real thing, but a like, equally... A bit like XG. Equally for Newcastle, a side who <laughs> historically have struggled away from home. They've, they've flipped from that to this season. The points per game is actually the worst it's been away from home since promotion. They have got 0.6 points away from home. You t- if you take out the Sheffield United game, which is the one victory they've had 8-0 as well, that makes everything look worse. But they have an issue away from home at the moment. They are struggling. I try to find reasons why. And I think that all of the, again, mitigation, that word, the factors that we brought before, I think their home form on, on the flip is absolutely brilliant. Eight, eight wins out of nine in the Premier League. Last seven victories home. The first time they've done that since 2003, I think it is. Maybe even 2002. Uh, under Sir Bobby Robson. And, but away from home, they're not translating it to that. I think they have a defined style of play at St. James's Park. I think fatigue is setting in more away from home. They've had four away games immediately following Champions League games. I think also they haven't had a settled defence this season, whereas last season... Every single one of the back five played at least 35 matches. There are various reasons why, but for whatever reason it is, and I think this is partly why I changed things to Chelsea anyhow, he's trying to find a reason. He was asked earlier this week, he said there isn't one reason behind it. If there was, I would have fixed it by now, but Newcastle have a big problem with him. Yeah. Just to be positive, you wanted positivity. That's today, positive, yeah, thanks, that's great. Um, Luton Town as well, they'll, they'll be gunning for us, George. We're definitely a scalp now, aren't we? Especially to a newly promoted team. They'll be looking at Newcastle and thinking... They've had a little bit of decent form under the belt. They've scored some goals and they'll be looking at us and thinking, yeah, bring them on. We'll have a go. Yeah, I think there will be a bit more of that. I mean, I think, you know, Luton have their own emotional reasons why this will be a big game for them. Of course. A big game for them this weekend. That's, you know, that, that's that's not, you know, that's nothing to do with Newcastle, but it doesn't make things easier for them, I don't think. Um, and, you know, Newcastle aren't the underdogs anymore. I mean, I think that's there's a change of mentality around the whole club. So they are seen as a scalp. I mean, but I think also that affects everything else around the the team and the club at the minute. I mean, it comes down to us. We expect them to be good. You know, we're not going to games now with that same sort of wide-eyed, getting a big shock. I mean, I certainly was like this all through last season, even to the end. Every single victory was like a beautiful surprise and it's not anymore because they Sorry, I've just had a flashback what? to Newcastle being 5-0 up against Spurs and you turned to me to, to remind you of who had scored at each separate moment. Was that this season? That, that was no, that was the end of last season when you were saying about that. that yeah. You couldn't compute in that moment who had scored at each each of the five goals. Yeah, but that's 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 dementia, Chris, and I don't think that's... <laughs> it's not very nice to kind of bring that up. But, um, uh, you know, there is a, just a, cha- there's a change of feeling about the club and you know I wanted kind of last season to go on forever in some ways that sort of magical feeling well it's and the it weight of expectation now isn't it I hate That's that word I, I hate do, it as I well but it, word, you can't but you can't ignore it now can you no no it's just it, there's a different feel to it we expect them to be good at football other yeah. teams expect them to be good at football other teams see see them coming and I do think yeah I think I think probably that I thought the the thing that happened at Chelsea that's that change in style was actually interesting mm. sort of how trying to show that there's a different way to win to win games particularly when they're stretched and you know the high energy thing isn't necessarily going to work 
What was the question? What were we talking about? <laughs> this, this, year, this year has been incredible. Is that what the question was? No, not really. No, it was Luton, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Luton. Yeah, yeah. tough game, yeah. <laughs> tough game, tough tough game, game yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Tough place to go. I've, got a, I've got a question for George, though, because George, after Chelsea, wrote about Kieran Trippier. Would you start Kieran Trippier at Luton on Saturday, or do you think he needs to be removed from the team? Can he be removed from the team? Do Newcastle have options? It's maybe it's the one area they have a few players. Lewis Hall, who Newcastle seemingly have negotiated to be able to be to play against Chelsea, <laughs> was a, still an unused substitute against Chelsea, despite that negotiation having taken place. So would you move things around? Would you play Kieran Trippier? So, I mean, I think I've been very sympathetic to what, to what the manager has said, what the head coach has said about Trippier, which is not just his importance to the team in a defensive sense, not just his importance to the team as a, as a leader, as an on-field captain, even when he isn't the actual captain. You know, he's also incredibly important to the way Newcastle play offensively. Yeah. There are those seven assists in the Premier League. How many of those came at Sheffield United? Three. Three, three. three I think. But, Patrick of but even so, you know, he takes set pieces, he takes corners, and, and he's been brilliant. But yeah, I mean, from what I saw of him the other night, again, bearing in mind the low height of the press So could you actually ceiling, see the incident? Where he, he I couldn't see his face. So I couldn't see, I couldn't see how sad he looked. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think it's having said all that, I think it's time to I think it's time to take him out of the team. I would give him a rest. And um, mm, you know, Livermento Livermento has been absolutely brilliant. And I think you And know, of course Dan Burns back now as well. And Dan Burns back and there is Hall. I, I would do that, yeah. I just think he needs a I think he needs a rest. And I think, you know, as I said earlier, he deserves he does absolutely deserves the support of of everybody and us and yeah, give him a give him a, give him a rest. Uh, with regards to injuries and stuff like that, Chris, obviously Anthony Gordon went off. Is he looking likely to be able to play this weekend, or do we think he might miss out? I think it's touch and go. I mean, I'll be at Eddie Howe's press conference in the morning to find out. Eddie Howe described it as a knock, which I thought was an unusual way. I don't, so I don't know exactly what it is. I mean, he looked like he was really struggling. I was surprised he came out for the second half because he basically couldn't run. I think that was partly because he said he wanted to stay on. But yeah. he obviously, Emil Kraft went off as well. I think that was a gash, so I think there's a chance that he could be fit. So again, Emil Kraft could potentially play right back, Livermore or left back. He could move. Livermendo to right back if you take Trippier you could play Dan Byrne Botman in theory if he's ready to, to play more than 45 minutes that was always the plan for him on Tuesday so I think Gordon will be a doubt and the problem there is Newcastle don't have many options across the front line that's where they really are stretched and I think part of the reason obviously this was because of the bad tackle but I think part of the reason why him and Almiron look so shattered away from home is that they haven't been able to move out I mean they're in this piece I've looked at the away form Gordon has scored five goals at St James's, but he's only got, and I think he's got three assists at St James's. He's only got one goal and one assist, both of which were against Sheffield United. Miguel Almiron's only goal away from home was at Sheffield United. Newcastle have an issue with their wide players. I think they really struggled in those games at Everton and Spurs, and that's not me having a goal. I think that that's partly because of the workload. They they have to cover so much ground, and at St James's, when you've got the crowd behind you, it helps. Away from home, they are struggling. I'm sorry, I'm I'm chuckling at myself because the bells on my uh, <laughs> <laughs> the bells are ringing. The bells out. on your arm. Lazar ringing, the ringing while you're trying to make out. serious points. Yeah, it's hilarious. I Keep forgot, going. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot to mention Emil Kraft. He has actually been really, really good since he came back into the team. He was, of Krafu. course, Krafu. He was, yeah. of course, excellent when Trippier missed out in the in his first season when he had injuries. He's a very, very different kind of player. Of course, he's not gonna he's not gonna get up at the pitch. He's not gonna provide assists, but he's a brilliant character. It's just not great to the see him back. On the Cordova yeah, that's true, Fulham. Yeah. To get the free kick, yeah. to get the third goal. So he does get up the pitch, though. Just not as much as Trippier. Anyway. All right, I, doesn't have the same delivery, does he? Obviously. No, okay, I apologise. I'll take that back. I'll, I'll just I'll just screw myself. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, well, Taylor. Yeah. Maybe, maybe think about it next time before opening your mouth. <laughs> 
Um, also, we've got Nottingham Forest on Boxing Day, Chris. 12.30. Uh, oh, lovely. Just what you want, isn't it? On Boxing Day. Um, they've just sacked their manager as well. Steve Cooper's gone. They might have a bit of a dead cap bounce. You never know. Dead, I don't know. I don't think I've heard that before. You never heard dead. that phrase no. before? We know that phrase, don't we? Dead cap bounce. No, no, it is a thing. It is a phrase, yeah. Dead yeah. cat bounce, yeah. It is a thing apparently that Sunderland have done to would that this was I'm just because people won't be able to hear at home, so that was a that was something that Sunderland have done every year. You need to repeat things like that. Oh, do I? Okay, yeah. right, fair enough. It was something Sunderland have done every year. <laughs> uh to to beat Newcastle. Thanks for that, Chris. You're very Cheers. Welcome. Keep us keep me right. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah. So Nottingham Forest. Yes, Nuno. Nuno Espirito Santo. Ollie <laughs> <laughs> is fancy tunes. Again. No, it's just Chris talking. It's I just think. Chris talking, yeah. Every time he talks or so Nuno Spurdo Santo, yes. The, the, for, the former Wolves and very, very briefly Spurs manager. Everyone made oh, I forgot about that. Very, yeah, yeah. very brief, yeah. Uh, I think everyone at Spurs hated him, but that's the that's that's by the by. So, yes, the weir- again, a weird situation at Forest whereby Steve Cooper seemed to be loved by everyone at Forest except the owner. And this has been like the longest mm. divorce ever. And he's finally gone and, and, and Nuno has been brought in bit more defensive I think than Steve Cooper so whether Forrest come and try and sit behind the ball we, sh- we shall wait and see Newcastle beat them 2-0 to home last season then won yeah. away that was the game Elliot Anderson's goal was disallowed uh, which was very disappointing for him but Newcastle did win in the end so as, I say, as I said earlier see, I've got no qualms about Newcastle at St James's Park at all I very much expect them to win that game they have a defined style of play they smother teams they've only conceded four goals at home I think it's six clean sheets in the last seven heck of a lot of goals during that time I very much expect them regardless of, of whatever Forrest do to, to win that match it's it's the away form that they need to sort out ahead of what is, looks like a very difficult couple of fixtures in January away from home as you know Chris it's Christmas it's the time of year to think of those less fortunate than ourselves for instance Sunderland fans we're going to be playing Sunderland in the new year in the FA Cup that's going to be quite scary isn't it <laughs> Yes, well, I'm, I mentioned cup draws earlier. Everyone, hang on, can I just say, about four people in the room put their hands over their face when I mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those... Some people, I think, are really looking forward to this because obviously Newcastle haven't had a derby since 2016. They've not won one since 2011. Just by show of hands here, who's excited for the derby? One person. Two, three, four, five, six. No, surely not. No. I'm dreading it, I'll be honest. I'm absolutely dreading it. Well, it's a fixture which I think for Newcastle, unless they absolutely hammer Sunderland, it's the one that you look at and think that it's the fixture they just didn't need because, it, they, as I say, unless they hammer them, it, it, they expect, they're expected to win. They're expected to go to the Stadium Light against championship opposition and win. There's a lot of heaped pressure gone on to that match now. It's the realistically the only competition Newcastle can win this season, having gone out of the, the Carabao Cup and now being out of the Champions League. And Eddie Howe, given his stretch resources, can't at all really rotate that. He's going to have to... I mean, he was asked the other day about what his strongest team is ahead of Chelsea, and he gave this sort of manager's answer, though that's a very difficult answer because you know I can, your strongest team changes. Uh, I mean, basically what he was saying is in the earlier rounds, his strongest team wasn't actually his strongest team because at that point he felt he could rotate for it. Yeah. You, can't, you can't do that for this match. He has to play what is his strongest side because they have to progress in this match they can't afford to not get through I mean his strongest team may contain the, the high number of Geordies Newcastle have on the side the, the players who will desperately want to play in that match who short so it may be that he changes a few positions here and there but it's not like he's got much on that even with players coming back now he's still got limited options on the bench still limited number of attackers hopefully he has a few more back by then 
But yes, that's that's a fixture I think they could have done without. I totally understand the terror and I totally understand yeah. the feeling of nausea and all that because, you know, those games those games have it. There's a different atmosphere in the air. You can feel it. It's heavy, it's laden, it's it's you know, it's just different. But you know, I think it's it's what it's all about. I mean, it's like this is why Newcastle fans go to Everton in their thousands and sing songs about Jordan Pickford having <laughs> tiny <True>. arms. <laughs> And, you know, and Pickford, Pickford responds the way he does at the end. Fair play to him. Mm. You know, against Fulham, Newcastle fans are singing songs about Sunderland. They're doing that because it matters. And so this game is great because it matters. And they're in different divisions now. So there's no, you know, it's, it's not like there's points at stake. But the thing that I hate about the derby was that it was always two dreadful teams dragging each other down it was a race to the bottom it was yeah. about it was about which one may or may not avoid relegation yes there was something at stake but that's all it was it was just misery it was different yeah. it was a different form of misery and you know i i i want that to be a fixture where you know if anything the two teams are li- lifting each other up that's probably pie in the sky i i mean it's it's a tough game for newcastle absolutely sunderland you know go into that with nothing to lose particularly with their record, but it's, it's, the, it's the best fixture. It's the best derby fixture in the world. Can't wait for it. It's a different kind of derby though, isn't it, Chris? It's not a normal derby that we've had where we get them twice in a season and there's time for a bit of retribution at the, at the other end. You know, this is a one-off. It's a one-off game in the FA Cup, unless it goes to a replay, obviously. Yes, which <laughs> g- g- given the extent that they've gone to, to to make this a sort of so-called bubble match for Newcastle away, if it was a midweek home match, then who, I, I don't know how they would arrange that to get Sunderland fans here because they've, it's great in one sense that they've got so many Newcastle fans because I thought they would massively crack down on it. In theory, they're allowed, I think it's 7,500, they've got about six and a bit thousand. So they've got more than I expected to be able to go there, but they all have to travel in convoy on, on buses or there's the set metros and, and the like. And I think that's going to be very difficult to police. But if it was a reverse fixture and a replay at St. James's, that'd be even more difficult. So I'm, I'm not the same as George. I don't think... In, in the same way, just because, as I say, it's just the match Newcastle didn't need. It, 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 they, if, they, if they go and win and win comfortably, then it, it seems wonderful and give a, mass, a, a huge gloss to the season. But I just think there's going to be so much focus on that game. It's going to take focus away from the rest of the fixtures that, we, that the Newcastle have in January, which look very, very, very difficult. And they, need, they, they can't afford really to drop too much further behind the top four. They're already five points behind Man City. They're nine points behind Villa in third. And they can't afford to really drop further off in the Premier League. Absolutely shitting myself for it. I don't like them. I don't like the derbies. I find, I find me heart goes. I, f- I feel anxious about them. But that's because it matters. It, it really matters. It matters. Good. It matters so much more than it should to me. I don't know. I don't but know why. It. It my it's, it's my dad is a Sunderland fan. Right? I know. Imagine that. Imagine that. When I was a kid, I asked for a Newcastle United shirt for Christmas, and he got me one. On the proviso that I had to eat my Christmas dinner on the stairs while I was eating it, while I, while I was wearing it, and that's true. It's it's oh. weird. It 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 conjures up so many different feelings and different emotions. And I think, well, we got a question at the back. Yeah, how long have you been estranged from your father? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, have, we have a very nice relationship actually. Me and my dad, we get on very well. I don't think we will on January sixth. But usually, yeah. Do you still have to eat your dinner on the stairs? Is that is that a particularly painful... Social services no, informed? Or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think at the time, I think he said it as a joke. 
But I went and did it anyway out of sheer, like, it's gone, just bloody mind. It's gone dark, this. It has, hasn't it? It's gone dark, yeah. We yeah. need to bring this back round. Okay, bring it back round. Yeah. I am terrified for it, I have to be honest. I, I, it's one of those games where I would love to just go into hibernation on the Friday, and if somebody could wake me up on Monday afternoon, and it's all over and done with, and tell me what the score is, that'll be fine. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. That's what I said, yeah. <laughs> all right, okay. Uh, what was that? Okay. I think you pointed Just stop for a couple of minutes and read it. Yeah. <laughs> I, think you pointed it. I think you pointed at that. What? Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, this is producer Ollie, by the way. Does everyone know Ollie, our producer? That was a, that was a louder round of applause than the rest of us got. So. Ollie is the man who makes us sound semi-coherent every week, and we couldn't really do this or put this out without him. Um, however, Ollie agreed to organise Secret Santa for us all this year and bought us all presents, which he then left on the train. <laughs> Didn't you? Pick the microphone up, talk to the boys and girls. In my defence, it was... One of the more stressful train journeys in history. I mean, not as stressful as George's, but... Um, Do you want to tell us what the presents were, Ollie? We can imagine how, um, how were, lovely they are. There was a lot of work went into it. Um, they were elegant. had lovely notes with them. It would have been really funny. Just imagine how funny so it we, would have been. Should, should we, should we <laughs> all laugh when you read it? I gave it? Chris his self-help book called Everything Isn't Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave you your dog disciplining calendar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And George's Jason Tyndall kit. Oh, I would quite like that. That's, yeah, no. Which was good. It, it was Keith Whiteners and a tin of uh, Ron Seal dark oak <laughs> wood no, That is funny. Yeah, that but now is I'm funny. Now which I'm was gutted. particularly appropriate for you because it was one coat only. Oh. oh. It's clever, isn't it? Yeah, because famously I wear several coats. On the yeah. train. That's called a callback. It is a callback. To yeah. multiple coat George from the last episode. That is impressive. That is right, yeah. Well done. Right. Shall we have a little break? For two minutes, yeah. while we have a listen to some adverts, and also give your loved ones the gift of The Athletic this Christmas. Uh, go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod before January 1st and choose between 19.99, that's pounds, dollars, or euros for a one year subscription, or 39.99 for two years. We'll be back after this break to give us all a chance to have a quick pint. Your ears trained for the sound of crisp packets opening. If it's quavers, yes, absolutely. Yes, of course. Oh, whoops. What a mistake. Is this still recording, by the way? Nah, use it to, to, to like power you through the second, second section. Use that nervous energy of being on the edge of a piss. To yeah. get you through. Um, just so you know, um, Charlotte Robson, lovely Charlotte from Truth Faith, came over and handed us some quavers in the little break that we oh, had. You. Well, she handed me the quavers, obviously. Um, but what we didn't realise was at the time is she dropped one of them into George's pint, and it's still there. Yeah, it's and still, George it's hasn't realised. No, he's, he's moved away at the moment, but he hasn't realised yet. So I'm hoping that midway live on the show, he he's is now realize. he is now taking quavers from Charlotte. 
so he might, hasn't realised that there is a so quiver. He might think it's his own fault. And it is about to sink as well, Chris. The quiver <laughs> is about I'll to nosedive. Funnier. If he doesn't know and he starts drinking, then I'll be even funnier. Yeah. Right. I don't think he's going to see he's it because it, it is going to become part of the froth Hi. very soon. Hello, George. You all right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Enjoy your train. Right, we're going to start again. Steve Wright in the afternoon. It's the Waffle Trez in the corner there. Yes, hello Waffle Trez, you alright? A what? <laughs> an Instagram hashtag. George has got a MySpace account. <laughs> Would we make it onto the, I don't know what the difference is, the reels or the stories? Is that is that the good one or the bad one? Do do I look cool? <laughs> I, I, must, I must look good. So, yeah. My sis, that's my sister there, the one who shouted out about my dress sense during the live podcast as well. Ah, Interrupted the yes. live podcast for that, I'll say, as well. She should have been banned from tonight, really. Very sensible young lady. Are we all back in our seats? We sure good. That was right, a lot of response there. Let's crack on again. Uh, right then, chaps. Uh, welcome back. There's one thing we do need to address, Chris, just quickly before we move on to the nice and fun and frothy stuff. There's been some rumours flying around this week on the old internet about Dan Ashworth and about Manchester United. Have you got something to say about that? Yes, well, as of the time we are recording, Manchester United have yet to be taken over, or partly taken. I don't know, can you call the takeover if they're getting 25% but are in the os, but they're not going to be in control of the entire club, mm. but they get football. I mean, it's all very odd. Anyway, this takeover is <laughs> supposedly going to be happening for the last few months. It hasn't yet, but seemingly it is going to happen, and Dan Ashworth is very highly thought of within the world of football, certainly by well, the British uh, fear of football for being a very good director of football he's also friends with uh, Sir, Dale, Sir Dave Brailsford who is high, very high up in Ineos and the suggestion is that he would be their number one choice as things stand the takeover partial takeover hasn't gone through yet and there's been no approach to Newcastle United so that is where things stand at the minute Dan Ashworth is still very much in post at Newcastle we spoke to him at the start of November Northeast journalist at that point he said he did not have a release clause he said he was very happy and focused at Newcastle compared his situation to that of, of, of Eddie Howe so I think we are in a situation at the moment where it's just wait and see and if the, if and when the partial takeover happens then let's see if there's an approach or not So I think that it's time to get back on track we've talked a lot about Chelsea we've talked a lot about missed penalties we've talked about <laughs> Luton we've talked about Dan Ashworth and your train and my train this is it's a bigger t- it's, this is the time of year when we should be thinking about a man who descended from heaven to be with us, the self-proclaimed son of God. And I'm delighted he's in the audience tonight. It's Luke Edwards. Hey, there he is. Please step forward, Luke. He looks delighted with that introduction. Yeah, he's got a mouthful of nuts. He has a mouthful of nuts. But uh, But he he, he does look delighted by that introduction as well. That wasn't a bad introduction. Come on. Oh, we're cuddling. Oh, oh the, as well. the cuddling, yes. Yeah. Don't hug me, I've got a nut allergy. So, <laughs> so the theme really of the, of, the, of the second half of the show um, is, is Luke Edwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for the invite. Were you actually invited? Well, yes, by all of you several times. Okay. okay. So we are talking about 2023 mm. and what has been an uh, extraordinary year for Newcastle. Yeah. Can you give us some of your highlights, please? Um, uh, there's quite a sad one, actually, that has sprung to mind as you said that, and it was at the Carabao Cup final 
when I saw you in the street shortly after your father had died um, and we embraced and you cried on my shoulder. And, uh, and that, I, I, I know you weren't expecting me to say that because that's not the sort of person I am, but that was a very, very warm moment that we had together. That's quite annoying because... You wanted to rip the piss out of me, yeah. so I've disarmed you there. But no, that was very nice. Um, I'm very good at that. Do you know, can I just say, I've sat in the audience. This is the longest I've had to listen to you and Chris talk without having to interrupt and say you're wrong. I mean, it's been really, really difficult. I've had to move further back because it was annoying me that much. Um, so highlights, more serious. No, but, that's, no, but that was, genuinely, that was, that was a very nice, very warm moment between us and, um, and you. Highlights, um, Tottenham was great. Wasn't it? The 5-0? Uh, I laughed. I think we, we actually caught each other's eye. I think Chris and we caught each other and, yeah, and did, started yeah. laughing yeah. But, uh, when the fifth goal went in. So that was great. I mean, it was piss your pants funny, wasn't it? I've like, never seen anything minutes. like it in football. And I've covered, I've watched football my entire life yeah. and I'm, I'm only 32. But <laughs> that was a hard paper, <laughs> rubber, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, I look at, I look at Chris and laugh a lot as well, but yeah. that's, that's different. No, so that was, that was, that was a highlight. Um, my, my podcast that I do... Um, that's a real highlight. No for plug, no plug to there. Um, that's <laughs> uh, other highlights. Everything Eddie Howe does is great. Um, I'm really struggling. <laughs> this is like, I'm not normally struggling. Put you um, on the spot. What about the champion? You went to all of the Champions League away games. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy them to be honest. I, got, I, I was really grumpy at the champ- every Champions League game. I was really grumpy. Oh, this was you said this was going to be the the the, the highlight, the, the lifty part of the podcast, and you've just brought them on and he just. <laughs> I have to get up at half past three in the morning, get a flight via Amsterdam, always via Amsterdam. I never do anything other than via Amsterdam. I've normally had five-hour waits at airports. I've had to get three trains to get to Dortmund. I've, I've not had a great meal the whole time I've been in Europe. Um, I got too drunk in Dortmund and was really hungover for the day of the game. I sat in my hotel room on my own I think own the entire away end can in, share that experience, pants, to be honest. Pants, yeah. yeah. So the European trips haven't been a great journey for me. But that is that is quite a sort of... Well, it's definitely an image I want to banish now that... Um, me and my now, pants. Yeah, now that I've got it in my head. But um, yeah, I've just got it in my head. Um, that's that's just awful. Um, Charlotte, who was on earlier, she was. we were going to meet up in Paris. What? <laughs> what? She says she wasn't going to meet up with you. Yeah, just, just, she said that you texted her and that you were really hungover and did she want to go Would you food? like to go for food? She went, oh, I've got to go and do some stuff for TNT Sports. Um, something <laughs> like that. And, um, and then she said, oh, I'm with, I'm going to... I'm, yes, they cut from the whole program. Um, and then she said, uh, I'm going to uh, the fan zone. And I actually came out with the words, I don't think I've got any fan stuff in me. I was So the European Champions League trips, I've not been the best. I've got to be honest. They've been absolutely brilliant and you're totally wrong. But they, the, are, the, they were the, wonderful. But the thing that you're right about is that, I mean, so I did AC Milan and it was incredible. And I was um, I was in the away end and I was with, with Charlotte and it was absolutely brilliant. But you do get that reminder of how much it takes it out of you, just the act of travelling. And if you, you know, put that onto the players, turn that around to them, the travelling, the games, the emotional intensity, getting there to AC, getting to Milan, the San Siro, and, you know, you had to do that huge walk up the stairs. And um, I hadn't been drinking, I was, I was working, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good one, yeah. uh, No, I hadn't been drinking because I was working. But you, you, you get at the top there and, you, you know, partly you're sort of thinking Champions League, well, I cancelled my... 
I cancelled my subscription to BT Sport earlier this year because I thought TNT Sports well, is being rebranded. Yeah. yeah, I know, but it was BT Sports when I cancelled it, okay. and it was like, can't be bothered with this. All the games are the same. It's always the same people playing each other. Had to go kind of cap in a hand back to them, and then it's you know it's also we've taken AC Milan's best player off them. Is this really all that? And then you're there, and you feel the magnitude of it, the stature of that stadium, yeah. and then the noise starts when the whistle goes, and it's like, oh my god, this is absolutely incredible, and this is this is very different. I mean, I love that experience. I didn't love the three hours afterwards it took to to get home because you're being kept back, and then the metro stops are, are closed. But it was it you know it. It is tiring. Those trips are tiring, and you're right. And the players have got to go through that, and that that emotional intensity. Yeah. And I think that's something that's not kind of really factored in. It's not that many more games. It's six more games. But the emotion of having to lift yourself and to be provocative, com- I'm gonna I'm gonna say it because I've been thinking it for ages, and I haven't said it on a podcast yet. But the fans, I think they will get more used to it as well. I think we saw on this trip is that the fans treated it like it was the most amazing trip of all time. And I totally understand that. But they did drink, some of them, probably for two or three days before the game actually started. Yes, and then by right. the time they got yeah. to the game, they were like, oh, you, you know what it's like. I mean, I don't know how many drinkers there are in the audience, but if you drink heavily and then you stop, you, all you want to do really is sleep. I mean, or, 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 or just put your head but down was, quietly. There was a lot of that going on at these European trips. That They were amazing trips for yeah. the fans, and I think the fans loved them. But I think they got almost overexcited Should by the Should have done some trip. kind of acclimatisation boot camp before we went to Europe. Like, go to Edinburgh for a couple of days. Yeah, exactly. That's a good yeah. point. Dublin. Then, go to Dublin then, for yeah, a couple of days. Now we can go. Yeah. 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 7,000 of us just all yeah. go to all Edinburgh, go to Edinburgh. fucking yeah. pissed in pre-season. <laughs> that, the, the, the Scots were really like that because there's absolutely no history of any border warfare between Sure, sure. But... I don't think that is provocative. I think we saw the same thing in February. Thank you very much for what you said just before. It was obviously an incredibly emotional time uh, for me. I want to give a shout out to my friend John, who's in the audience on that subject. And um, But um, the incredible thing about, I mean, you know, being at Trafalgar Square is absolutely my highlight of the year. Mm-hmm. Being around people that I, that I love and care about was very, very special and I needed it. But the bigger thing was about being sort of around family of Newcastle United yeah. fans and I know that sounds trite and but I totally totally and utterly mean it and that's actually what a bit of sadness I feel about this season where it feels like there's been a bit more bickering amongst amongst us as a fan base but anyway the incredible thing about that weekend was that we won the weekend yes we and won I, the weekend and you asked me for my highlights and there is a moment that I don't think anybody who isn't a Newcastle United supporter can fully appreciate and I'm not a Newcastle United fan but I have married into a, a family full of Geordies and there was a moment and I think it's about the 85th 86th minute when Newcastle are going to lose another cup final their fifth cup final in a row and the flags yeah and there was a black and white flag started waving and it was for me a sheer symbol of defiance of what it meant to be a Newcastle United supporter, what it meant to be a Geordie. And I, I love the reactions from people like myself who are from down south, but from the reaction of other people who were saying, what the fuck is this? And I told, I was so proud to be associated with yeah, the people, with, with the people yeah, that they yeah. stood there in Wembley, waved their flags and said, this is our team, this is who we are, we're yeah. in the capital, we've taken it over for the weekend and we are not going to be defeated. They were defeated on the pitch, but they weren't yeah. defeated on it. So when you ask one of my highlights, <laughs> that is one of them. 
but that you but you are you are absolutely spot on about that you are absolutely spot on about that but i think and you're also spot on about that feeling of the hangover kicking in yeah. in milan when you get to your seats the hangover kicking in when you get to your seat at wembley and it was important i think generationally it was the, it was really important that we had that occasion at wembley i think again it's the first time back in the champions league for 20 years it's important to get that out of the system and then next time we have to go back and win the match Yes, exactly. And I, I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to do the Manchester clubs in Europe. And I think it's probably the same for Manchester City. They hadn't done it in a generation either. And we all know how miserable this football club was. I mean, we were all thinking about alternative careers. If I had any other talent, I would, I would do something else. Uh, I haven't, so I have to keep sticking at this. But um, I, I think... Sorry, if you well, had any other talent. Yeah, okay, John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you are listening to the Luke Edwards podcast. Yeah, so um, do I need to go now? Have, yeah, have I, I done so, enough? Yeah. yeah, okay, lovely. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for having me on. Thank Probably you, Luke Edwards. I, Cheers. I work for the Daily Telegraph, by the way. Just no, you don't. Get off. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to mention something in particular, which for me was a very special night, and I think for every Newcastle United fan, was a very, very special night, and that is Newcastle United 4. Paris Saint-Germain won in the Champions fucking league, by the way, George Cork. And what a night. What an unbelievable night that was. Um, I still have little flashbacks and little memories of it, walking up the steps to the seats with, with my son. Um, you know, that when Fabian Shea's goal going in, it actually felt like the Gallagher end was shaking. It, it was... It, was just a magical evening, wasn't it? It was incredible. It's a night. It's a night for for the ages. Yeah, absolutely up there. I mean, I think it's if it's not my favourite night at St James's, it's absolutely in the top three and um, just just brilliant. You can't help but mention that with a smile on your face. And I think that's yeah. it. that's that's it. It feels like it's been such a difficult season in lots of ways, but there've just been these extraordinary moments peppered all the way through. I mentioned earlier. You know, the, the the Man City game in the League Cup, the Man United game in the League Cup. Of course, it started with that incredible moment against Aston Villa. Being there for any of those Champions League yeah. matches as occasions was incredible. You know, Chelsea, Arsenal, you go on. The more you think about it, there have just been these incredible moments. Yeah. It just doesn't sort of feel like it because we're all a bit knackered and we're all a bit jaded. And if you're talking about the team, they're obviously, uh, you know, they, they have all those injuries. But Paris Saint-Germain is um, just utterly incredible and one of those nights where you're sort of checking the score you're looking up the scoreboard is that right how long yeah how long is it less three, i think i said three three nil I, I can't remember how the scores went but three nil i said to the yeah, bloke three nil and three sitting one. next to me i think we might win this he said don't say that yet <laughs> yeah that's standard then, isn't it? yeah yeah did he go to them three yeah, one yeah. and he said i told yeah. you yeah and Absolutely. it was like well, you're kind of fighting against your own you know sort of inbuilt not negativity, but sort of this idea that this can't possibly be happening. And it was just, it was just magnificent. And to have got, you know, to have got to the position where Newcastle are in the Champions League and, um, you know, playing these games is just absolute testament to, to what's happened at the club. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was absolutely a highlight. It was breathtaking, wasn't it? And, and as a football fan, these, these are the nights that, that you wait for. You know, you get it's the payoff, isn't it? Of all of those years of slogs, of all of those years of going to games and watching your team getting beat, of you know, last minute equalizers and last minute, you know, defeats and all that sort of stuff. These are the nights that you wait for 
and that only come along once in a while when you're a, when you're a Newcastle United fan, you know. And it just blew my mind. The atmosphere inside St. James's Park, I've been going since I was 10, so 1992. That's the best I've ever heard St. James's Park sound. It was actually feral inside of St. James's Park on that night. It was ridiculous. As you were sitting on the stairs that night, eating your toast, <laughs> how did you... You must have felt really sad, probably. Yeah. Because you're not allowed to eat main meals sort of at a dining room table, or...? Why have we gone back to this? I just I don't know why you've I gone back to this. I get that image out of my head as well. Oh, it's... You know, don't worry about it. I'm fine now. Okay, good. I don't have any kind of post-traumatic stress disorder because of it. Okay, good. Everything's fine. Good. Yeah. But, Chris, that, that, like George says, that was a night for the ages. It was a night when Newcastle United fans rejoiced. And He's going to spoil it. He's going to spoil it, I'm going to spoil it. The place exploded. When Miguel Almiron scored that goal, Chris, well, gonna, I'm, even I'm, you, with your dark heart, must have thought, fucking hell, here we go. This is something else. No, well, I, I am going to lower the tone because I feel a, a personal sense of responsibility about Newcastle United here because, as we know, I, as Alan Shearer put it, took six months off during the middle of the year. No, Chris, what he actually said was, you didn't have the fucking baby, did you? Well, yes. That's Chris, what he so actually that was, that said. Was, that, was, that, was actual, <laughs> that was the actual quote. Um, but also, at the, the first part of the year, I also w- was off for around a month when... Um, James, my, my son was in hospital, and so I'll come on to the sort of serious point and also my sort of light-hearted moments of the year a bit later. But actually, the three biggest games I've covered this year have been the probably three biggest disappointments of, of, of Newcastle United season. I, miss, I wasn't actually at either of the semi-finals. I was in, as I, as I mentioned on the podcast earlier in the year, for the second one, I was just in the RBI just across the way, and I wouldn't want to have been anywhere else. Because uh, James was in intensive care at the time, he's great now. The, the, he's, he's doing really well. But at that point, I could hear the roar from St James's, and that was a very emotional night. But I wasn't actually there to cover that night. I was back for the final, and I was back for the final, which obviously Newcastle lost. That yep. was my first game back after afterwards. And then also the the only two Champions League match I covered, I went to Dortmund away. You did, which Newcastle <laughs> lost two 0 And then I was also at the AC Milan game, uh, which Newcastle lost two one. So I feel like there's a bit of a pattern developing here. It's I you, am, isn't I it? am the issue. Yeah. Yes, I am the issue. So we I'm know, Chris. I mean, the barracking from your family now. You, you, <laughs> you are the problem. You have been the problem. Stop going to games. Yeah. Stop coming on this podcast. You've never been welcome. <laughs> um, so let this be our New Year's resolution. Chris, Christopher Woff, no. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful round of applause. Thank you. That was a waffle trust who led that round of applause as well. So, uh, uh, Any other highlights uh, of the year, Chris? Um, well, I mean, obviously, obviously, everybody's mentioned Wembley, so Wembley will be up there. But in terms of what was around the final, I, I think that, Dan Burns' interview after the semi-final when he, he channeled his inner Gaza. Yeah, I'm going to get my suit measured. I think he said, I'm so happy twice as well before that. Happy, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm going to get my suit measured. That's what it was. So that was a highlight. And also, obviously, the dance. That was that was after that. Was that this year? That was the quarterfinal, wasn't it? I think it was this year as well. I think it might have been last year. Anyway, that was still a highlight. Are we going to go around the audience and ask for Yeah, a few yeah, highlights? absolutely. I think we're good. we've got a microphone which can stretch round. If you have got a highlight of the year that you want to mention, just pop your hand in the air and my glamorous assistant, George Calkin, no, we're getting shaking heads. Go on, Darren. This is Darren Blackburn, by the way. Whoa, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. 
So my highlight was, again, it was Fabian Scher's goal because for me it was reminiscent of uh, my first experience of Newcastle in the Champions League. Cut at 20 years after the initial one, I was jumping around my parents' sitting room with my dad, hugging each other like well, lives depended on it at like a, a stoppage time, Newcastle United, albeit not last-ditch winner, but a winner nonetheless. So, yeah, that for me was class. So, Fabian Shea's goal against Paris Saint-Germain, yeah? Brilliant. Hello there. Um, I would have to say, Champions League anthem, San Siro. Just, that was it. We were back. That and, um, Southampton again, like you mentioned, Southampton uh, the, in the cup. Um, yeah. I, I was actually quite pissed. Henry. <laughs> That's not like and, you, Brian. Um, <laughs> me, me mate still bring up the fact that I said, uh, Sean Longstaff's goal. When, <laughs> when we got the early goal. So, aye. so those two moments for me. Brilliant stuff. John? Yes, I'm going to... Um I'm going to be greedy and pick two if that's all right because I just can't separate them. Go on then. That opening 20 minutes against Tottenham, it was just incredible. I remember looking up the scoreboard and seeing the time, 20 minutes, and the score was 5-0. Just amazing. And then, as George has said, PSG was just the greatest night I've ever had in that stadium. Like, nothing... I hope it'll be beaten in the future because I think there's bright days ahead. But that opening 20 minutes against Tottenham and then the night against PSG was just absolutely incredible. And next we've got Luke. Uh, I think the first time I saw Wembley in the car, turning wow. on the corner and just seeing the stadium, just like I couldn't believe it. Because like in my lifetime, I've never seen we play at Wembley until then. So seeing that just like it finally sort of kicked in. So yeah. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> goosebumps, goosebumps. Absolute goosebumps. Charlotte? Mine's going to be... I don't know your name, but it's the hi. You look great. Um, <laughs> it's gonna. It's the same. It's it's that moment when we. It was this calendar year, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's that moment that we got to go to Wembley. I was there with my dad, and my dad's the reason that I support Newcastle United, and it was really important to me to be there with him. And I just burst into tears. The, like um, the moment, like the, the, the fact that Sean Longstaff had done it for us, a local boy, and like it, I just, I just could not stop crying. It was so, so special. So that one for me. This is setting me off. I know. Yeah. The moment that made me laugh with joy, which is very rare in football, was the Tottenham game, which yeah. you mentioned before. Yeah. Just looking at the scoreboard and looking at my colleagues and just laughing at the scoreline, thinking this can't be happening. It was wonderful. The moment that gave me the biggest goosebumps and take some deep breaths to stay unemotional is the... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> very good. Um, the goosebump moment of the year was probably San Siro looking around the stadium thinking, is this happening? It's 20 years since we've done this. We were there for the last Newcastle campaign under Bobby Robson and it's happening again and that was proper goosebumps. It was brilliant. Luke Edwards wants to talk again. Um, I'm going to say, um, and, I, and I, I, didn't, I ambushed him a little bit that, but I think um, the moment of being there for a friend um, and, you know, it's a job for me and I'm not a fan, but being there for George, I think before the game in the Carabao Cup final and hugging in the street, uh, it was very, very life-affirming of a friendship that has gone on We've persevered for 21 years uh, now, George, uh, and I think that transcended football for me a little bit, so that's the highlight of my year. Love you, Luke. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, 
Um, seeing Trafalgar Square with all of the fans was just incredible. Yeah, I think that was the highlight of my year. That was uh, that was Chris Woff's sister, by the way. Yeah. There, Chris. Yeah. Big yeah. up to me. Yeah. The less attractive Woff, some might say. <laughs> it's, it's a struggle to believe that this is the same genes, the same, the same gene genes, pool, yeah. same, same gene pool, Chris. Even Alan said it was it was uh, hard to believe that it was the same gene pool. I'm just gonna put that one in there. <laughs> this is Chris Woff's sister's boyfriend. Louis, yes, yes, Louis. Oh, yeah, as I referred, I, 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 he actually has featured on the podcast before, and he was he, he avidly listens to the podcast, and he was very offended because I uh, after, this, to this, add, this, this, this was the, the yes, this was the Euros final that the England women lost. But I referred to the fact we won, that the, we won, we the Euros that they won. Sorry, the point of it was that we, I then came on the podcast the next day and said that I'd watched the final with my dad, my sister, and others, and the only other person in the room was, was Louis. So <laughs> <laughs> the one who listened to the podcast, so he was very offended, so yes. So yes, yeah. highlight, a highlight of the year from others. Yeah, listen, <laughs> listen since day one and referred to as others, yeah. Um, my highlight yeah, was walking up Wembley Way and just seeing a sea of black and white and not seeing a Man U fan in sight. was yeah. the biggest club in the world, and... Newcastle just dominated them in London. I was not a Man U fan to be seen anywhere. Even after the game, it was all black and white. So. Yeah, we had the moral victory that yeah, day. Yeah, we had the we? moral yeah. victory. So I'm going to take that as a high ground. Let's so. hear it for others. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is my dad. I was going to say this. Woff Senior. Uh, my daughter Victoria, because we arrived in London about six o'clock on the Saturday, the weekend of the final, the Wembley final. And um, she said, I think we might head across to Trafalgar Square because there's going to be a few Newcastle fans there. <laughs> and when I arrived, I could not believe it. And that really, what Luke was saying before, I just realised how important football is to this area. And I, I, that will stay with me. I don't know how much longer I've got to live, but that will stay with me forever. That. Yeah, I can see where Chris gets his uh, his <laughs> his natural optimism. Just, natural optimism. Yeah. Just to interject yeah. at this point, that what? Sorry, he's going to applaud. But that is my father, who is who's seventy three years old, has been going to St James's since the sixties, and this is the very first time he has been in the strawberry. What? Yeah, yeah, the very first time he's been there. I, I couldn't believe that when he said that when he got here. But yeah, the very first yeah. time he's ever been in the strawberry. We are we are in the upstairs room in the strawberry currently. I have to say thank you to Michael from the strawberry for allowing us to do this up here as well. Uh, yeah, and that is mad. How have you never been in the strawberry before? Well, I'm not really a drinker, and um, I've just never been in. Every time I've walked past, it's been so big. It's rammed, yeah. I've only walked past about a thousand times, mate. <laughs> Fair play. This is another Woff, another Woff Ultra. This is Michael, my brother. Yeah, um, I have a couple. One, again, the Spurs game, um, those first 20 minutes. Uh, there was a picture of Louis and I were at that game, and it was used on the... <laughs> yeah, others and I. It was used on the front page of the club website a sort of week later. And uh, it, looked, it was presumably chosen because we were smiling and looked really happy, but we were both just pissing ourselves laughing at the Spurs <laughs> fans who Brilliant. were disappearing in their droves. And the other one is every press conference at which Eddie Howe has responded to Chris. Come on. Absolute disdain <laughs> and disgust at his shit questions. <laughs> the, other, the other thing I've noticed about your family, Chris, is that they all seem to be capable of getting their haircuts without the use of a pudding basin. 
Are you sure you're related to these people? I paid them to arrive today for the fair. <laughs> they also seem to be no, more knowledgeable about football than you are. But um, That doesn't take much, though, does it? So no. Come on, David, it's your go. And last but not least. Uh, yeah, I mean, so many amazing memories there, but I think the best day was probably when Jacob Whitehead decided to move to Newcastle. What a moment that was for, for the finally, <laughs> finally the kind of talent so, that this club deserves. So I mean, a a I've got uh, no idea who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> C what happened to B B O oh, yes there it is and D David we should point out for our listeners is actually our boss, and so if anyone's qualified to talk about the the quality of Newcastle coverage going up uh, when Jacob arrived, it's definitely him. We miss Jacob, don't we, David? He misses you too. Spoke yeah. to him today. He's floundering. There's nothing else going on. He's having to cover things like the Premier League as a whole, Everton. crises, mm-hmm. Everton, <laughs> European Super League. Nothing that gives him any meaning in his life. Well, I was trying. Well, I was. What I was trying to do there was get you to slag Chris <laughs> off. But, um, but yeah, that's fair enough. Bless him. Bless him, Jacob. He's. Uh, is he all right now? Is he? He, had he a bit tested COVID, negative he? yesterday. I think he's tested morning, negative yeah, now. Yeah, he should have been here tonight. Bless him. Yeah, he should have been here tonight. But he's been a bit, a bit poorly sick and a bit under the weather. We'll but send we, him uh, to Luton, though. So yeah, we'll send him to Luton. Just <laughs> to make up for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's just about it. Hang on. Um, I've got a highlight. You've got a highlight. Oh yeah. Sorry. It's, it's slightly linked. I- Lots of people have mentioned it, but Jacob Murphy's face is my highlight of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Fair play. I love Jacob Murphy. I love him so much. He's, he's got to be my favourite Jacob. Oh. <laughs> Jacob, if you are listening to this, who? <laughs> in terms of images, though, I'll, add, I'll add just another one. In just, it's very recent towards the end this year, but also Lewis Miley's smile after his goal has to be up there. Lewis Smiley, yeah, Lewis definitely. Smiley, yeah. yeah, I mean, his breakthrough's been absolutely brilliant, hasn't it? And I think we're all very excited to see what's going to come from that lad in the future. He's just something else. It's been a, you know, you have to take a step back and say that this has been an absolutely transformative year for mm. the for the club, for the team. For, for all of us, if it ends on a slightly tetchy note, that's only because I've been on a train for seven hours. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, but seriously, it's like, yeah, okay, so things feel a bit tough at the minute. But um, it's been an absolutely incredible year. There have been so many ridiculous highlights. Everything is going in the right direction. This season was always going to be slightly tougher than it was last season for all the reasons we've mentioned. But, you know, this is a club going places. What a journey to be on. What a pleasure to be around it. And, yeah, it's bring on 2024 because it's, I mean, it's got got a long way to go to beat this year. But, you know, this is a team that is going to be challenging and hopefully winning things in the future. It's just very exciting. And this has been a big year for us as well, hasn't it? Because we've gone twice a week now. It's been tough. I don't think we quite had the squad depth in place to deal with twice a week. But 2023 has probably been the best year for Pod on the Tyne, I would say. And I can honestly say, hand on heart, it's been a complete pleasure and an absolute privilege to be involved in this show. And, you know, everybody who comes and talks to us about it in Dortmund, we had people coming up every couple of minutes to say... Oh, the show's great and all that. We we'll love the show. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet here, which is difficult when you're my age. We have to say thank you to everybody who listens, all of the guests who come on. We have to say thank you to producer Ollie because he really makes this work. Where's my Christmas present, you twat? Yeah. 
Um, but it's been brilliant. It's been superb. It has been brilliant. No, I've, I've, I've loved it. I mean, even, even during my six months having not given birth to anyone, I, I was st- still taking part in the podcast and really enjoyed it. That was sort of a thrill of the week as well. That was my way to stay connected with the team and, and, and follow the team during that time and find out where Newcastle were going. But to, to, to spend that time with you guys, it, it, it is fun every week. George does batter me whenever he possibly can yeah. um, but I know that, that someday I will get my revenge so mm. that's that's what keeps me going it's quite sinister yeah so just to clarify Chris the thrill of your week after your son no. had been born was talking to me I'm and George well for I'm, 45 I'm, I'm, minutes I've come out of this podcast very well haven't I I've come out of this very very well uh, that's what two and a half beers does um, but no and to thank you to everyone who came in this room because it has been a bit of a shambles we managed to get it going but thank you to everyone in this room half of whom are my family but yes, uh, so yeah, but, uh, no, I love it. There's a danger to stretch this on forever, so I don't want to do that. But when, when we're talking about highlights of the year, you know, we're we're in the strawberry. We're we're literally a stone's throw away from St James's Park. But being in the states in the summer for the pre-season tour, talking to Newcastle fans who came up to me to talk about listening to the podcast and feeling to the connected to the club that way was a huge eye-opener and you know a, a great reminder that Newcastle United is a is a club that stretches far and wide and everybody is just as valued as everybody else and so I'd like to say thank you to everybody who's listening far and wide wherever they are absolutely right that's it we'll see you in 2024 thank you very much for listening thank you very much to you lot for coming along as well it's been a massive pleasure from everybody at Pot on the Tyne Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Cheers. Let's get pissed! Athletic.